To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Bored housewives, so they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is f-ing sour. Sh- that ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a f-ing hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like. Yeah, look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of f-ing pretzels that he just. You're ate. going to Thailand. You're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing D. Too much. (laughs) I sound like Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? Really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. almost like it never existed, but it f***ing did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. Positivesarcasm.com recording here from the Sandbox. Like, subscribe, share, and donate. Positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Hey, just want to let you know there's a really good promo going on with uh, Weeble right now. So there's a link in my description. If you just want free gas money, literally they're giving out five free stocks. So you get two when you first sign in. uh, And then after your deposit's complete, you get three more. So that's going on right now. So if you want five free stocks ranging anywhere from like three to three hundred dollars, just go ahead and take advantage of this. Literally after like 30 days, you can like take all your money back and you can already have sold your stocks and you just have easy money. Really, I, I mean it. And it would also help out me as well because I get a referral also. So I get free stocks and I'm building my portfolio back up. So if you wanna go ahead and just get free cash, just go ahead, click the affiliate link down below or you can contact me directly through my website and I'll send you a fresh link. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you can email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com or you can go right through my website and click on the contact section uh, over there and you can. there's a bunch of affiliate links over there as well. So uh, that being said, uh, it is coming up on the final uh, final month here uh, here at the Sandbox. Um, it's been an interesting time down here. It's been an enjoyable time. It's been very much worth it. It's been nice having the, the, uh, the beach right near me. I look forward to continuing to live near the uh, New Hampshire's beautiful sea coast for the next uh, year, for the foreseeable future. And then uh, as of around May of next year, we will decide whether to continue living on New Hampshire's beautiful sea coast or or if I will return, we, excuse me, well, I will return with Chase to the place of my birth. Um, Until then, it is uh, 
anybody's guess. I'll n know better uh, going forward here for the next couple of months. But uh, we're just starting to – I'm just starting to see the peak of this hill and uh, move towards uh, my next place of uh, residency and the next studio to be uh, named will be a temporary studio for a little bit of a while. So it'll be a brief hiatus followed by a temporary studio for a few weeks and then followed by another uh, few-week hiatus in which I will have another studio ready to go. And um, – yeah, we'll just get right back at it. And of course, you know, it feels like when you're away for like a week or two, you feel like you miss everything and, or you literally by a day or by minutes, apparently um, you miss something. I was recording at the end of last week's podcast. Also, the coffee sponsor, uh, Burundi in Africa. Mm. I roasted it a little bit lighter this week. So it was an easy, it, it, it's much easier to drink. That, then again, it was never really hard to drink. I kind of have the roasting down. So, uh, but like I was saying before I lose train of thought here, just the idea of like, I was, I posted at the end of last week's podcast, the charges and the, well, the sentencing, the sentencing of Jussie Smollett and how many days he was going to be spending in jail. Well, it turned out it was going to be like 180 days. So basically we'll see you in September, motherfucker. But as soon as I finished uploading it, he was six or six or seven days in, and then they decided, pending uh, pending a review of his sentencing, they let him out. So instead of letting him for everything that he did, the amount of money he cost the city of Chicago, and the amount of lies he took, and of course, pending possible perjury charges, we don't know. I mean, the guy went up on stage. Uh, went up on the stand and lied his ass off and it has been convicted he is convicted uh but now he's out so he can essentially do whatever he wants through probation he can travel anywhere he wants so he can work but pending the outcome of this appeal he's free and i found that out right as i finished uploading the entire podcast so I wasn't going to take it all down. So I just put a disclaimer in the Rumble, in the Rumble, Facebook, and YouTube that basically as soon as this finished uploading, he was out of jail. I was like, that's how quick the news cycle travels. It's just like, up oh, and oh. So, I mean, really, really, really frustrating. So that being said... Um, Why the fuck is my ex-girlfriend, who I despise, calling me? Well, go ahead and turn this thing off for the rest of the day. I thought I blocked that bitch's number. Go ahead and just fucking turn that thing off. Well, that's going to be interesting. Anyways, moving on. Whew. All right, stay focused here. Not sure why that's happening. Apparently, she didn't get the fucking hint from my lawyer. Um... So, yeah, I, it's just the news cycle uh, doesn't – the news cycle just – it's so fast. I literally just uploaded it. It's like, ah. Oh. That's the fun of this podcast, though. It's just – it's – you know, you're going through it. You're, you're, you're really into something, and you're like – and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, so much for that, I guess. Now, I did this uh, – I was – I caught it ahead of time with the whole ivermectin study where there was one study that was supposedly peer-reviewed, but then it got withdrawn. So I talked about how it got withdrawn, and I knew that it got withdrawn. And then after that, um, another 
actual peer-reviewed article came out about its prophylactic use and some other things about that that has been peer-reviewed and has been posted. You can check out the, the, the podcast I did previously about that. Now, which is awesome. So that has been, sorry, trying to get refocused here. Um, how basically it has been peer-reviewed, has been useful, and but I was able to catch this ahead of time. So that's it. One of those things, I just wanted to break it out there. It's like, look, I, I, I was in the middle of uploading this and then I found out this information. It's just, it's so freaking frustrating. So um, that's, it's one of those things. I mean, I used to do these twice a week, but right now time doesn't really, um, doesn't really make for it. But I mean, I have been making time for the new reaction channel, which people are apparently loving. I've, I've got almost 2,000 views on the last one. Thank you guys so much for you know diving into that, and I really really enjoy it. Um, I might as well. So since we've you know talked about the news cycle and everything, I want to actually travel back. I was looking at uh, an article that was sent to me. I think this was by my. This one is not by my associate. Is it by my associate producer? No, the other two are. This one is actually. I was I was reading about it over morning coffee and. Basically, this is something that I'm, it frustrates the shit out of me. Is this whole thing about if you work in a corporate environment, it's about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, and well, okay. So let me break it down to you in dollars and cents. Um, if you don't know what about diversity, equity, and inclusion, well, you can go look up some stupid definition of it. Okay, and there's so many angles of looking at it. But let me explain something to you. Most departments, most uh, offices, or companies have a human resources department. Human resources is, is generally, or it used to be, in charge of things like this. Things of where uh, basically, uh, what do you call it? Uh, employee, you know, stuff. Stuff concerning your employee. This, it's like, this is like a whole nother department. It's a whole nother uh, uh, budget. And that's what I was like, okay, this is other people getting paid to do this thing. Well, let's just see. This is an article by Sarah Cordovano. This is from April 7, 2021. Now, what she's a community builder. She works on equity, inclusion, and maps and all that other stuff. I don't – look, I'm not going to talk about her credentials. I'm not here for her. I'm here for the article she wrote and some of the key points in it, and I wanted to get to a budget because you have to understand these companies, whether they are 10,000 deep in employee, 10,000 employees or, 10, or like 200,000 employees – that's a serious budget when you take into account how many people are working there um, and how much money that is being allocated to this department or these particular individuals. And it's like, well, this money, shouldn't it be uh, allocated to other people? But it's like, all right, well, let me paint a picture for it. So how much this article by Sarah Cordovano, and I'll kind of breeze through a little bit of it because I don't want to bore you to death. Um, even though you are watching this podcast, you might be bored to death, but that's okay. So we'll go right through it. So how much does diversity, equity, and inclusion cost? Really cost, excuse me, by Sarah Cordovano. She gets a lot of questions about what is a regional, but what is a reasonable budget for a DEI team? Now, me personally, I'm not a fan of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You have a human resources company. It's an you have a you by law you have to have an equal opportunity employer. That's one of those things that's already built into the the human resources department. Um. So, all right, well, let's get her view on it. So let's address how DEI is discussed. There's often a lot of discussion around the return of return on investment. Leaders often ask us, what is the business case for DEI? How much money will it save us or make us? 
Consulting firms have been touted. So now you got to pay a consulting firm and consulting firms are not cheap. So now you're paying a consulting firm on top of it. They've been touting the message that DEI saves businesses money for a decade. Some leaders need to hear this argument to feel convinced that they should feel invested. They should invest in DEI. But this is a slippery slope. When a DEI team must constantly demonstrate how they have saved their company money, it forces their measure of success to be quantifiably financial. The reality is that very difficult to quantify all the ways that DEI initiatives increases productivity. Okay. Uh, usually a fat paycheck and decent benefits improve productivity. Um, it increases productivity, improve retention, attract better talent, help build better products, and connect with your customers. And frankly, some DEI initiatives will result in no profit or budget saved, but that doesn't mean they aren't worth doing. Okay. So if an executive team is not convinced that the DEI is a critical strategic initiative of their organization, unless it saves them money, they are not fully bought in. When the executive team isn't bought in, hasn't bought in, and they are not actively championing the DEI work, it's very difficult to make a tangible progress. Um, I'd humbly suggest a different framing for business executives instead of asking, how will DEI save us money? Okay. Ask yourselves, what company do you want to build? Now, maybe these are good questions to ask, but let's see here. What kind of company do you want to build? Just in general, good questions. What kind of company do you want to build? Good question. What kind of company are you proud to put your name on? Good question. What kind of testimonials do you want to see glass in Glassdoor Reviews, which is a website talking about the company, how much they pay, other things they offer? Good, good, probably a good question. What kind of relationship do you want with your employees? Excellent question. Do you care to build a company with inclusive culture? equitable processes, a diverse workforce, and a strong sense of belonging for its employees? That is a good question if we look at it from an inclusive culture. Well, what are we including? A culture basically is a bunch of people working as a team when they need to or working as individuals when they need to to serve the purpose of making the company better. Given that the the culture are given, you know, created by the employees is properly rewarded. That's my thoughts on that. An equitable pro equitable processes. Okay. Equitable in terms of what? The proper outcome? You can't have equal outcome for everything because everybody works at a different pace for different reasons and at different ambitions. But equitable, equitable processes, I mean, you can try to make things fair, but you can't push somebody down in order to lift somebody else up. That's not, that's not a fair process. That's not an equitable process. That's just bullshit. A diverse workforce. Okay, diverse workforce. What is that? Diverse, uh, diverse opinions. Diverse creativity. Different. Uh, different. Some people have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, a diverse workforce is basically anybody designed to do the job that you're looking to have done at an accelerated or at an efficient. Uh, designed to do that job to the best of their abilities to what you're specifically working for. You're not just. You shouldn't just be hiring somebody because they're white. Hiring somebody because they are uh, they're Christian, hiring somebody because they are uh, non-binary. You don't. We don't hire for that. You need to hire people or have people doing stuff for you because it's who you're looking for as an employee or as a gig worker or, or as in a consulting firm. That's what you should be hiring people for. Okay. Nothing should be based about religion, uh, race, ethnicity. Nothing. None of that. Um, is there, should be, should there be some balance to a workforce? Well, it just so happens, depending upon what you're looking for, that balance is set by basically what kind of, uh, what are you looking for to fill it? What assets or attributes do you need to fill a particular position? And then generally 
most of the time, that evens itself. That's that thing is taken care of to begin with. So the question is the, relying on interpretation by the person who's doing the hiring. Now I'll continue on. I've seen organizations who are who are brought in and organizations who are not brought in or not bought in. Excuse me. Their work culture is remarkably different. Well, I mean, if you're buying into a narrative where you're going to create a workplace that and people love to work and they feel like their ideas, ha which have to be validated uh, or valid ideas or lead to a valid idea or a valid invention or innovation. OK, um, it's not all about I'm this. So you're that it's no, 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 no. Even in a company that's not bought into this stuff can still be bullshit either way. A bad company is a bad company. It doesn't matter if they have DEI or not. Um, the work culture, they're not bought in. Their work culture is marked with it. This is not to meant pressure business leaders into a certain way of thinking. Honestly, it's very personal choice to decide how you build your own business and it's your prerogative to do so. Okay. I'm just trying to shift the conversation from return of investment to of DEI to a more personal decision of how a founder or executive team wants to run their business and how DEI fits into that vision. Uh, to learn more about introspection requires, so she has some other things that she offers. So now back to the question of what diversity, equity, and inclusion costs. As mentioned, this is a complex question. What do you think about the cost of DEI, not just budget allocation? It's the entire cost of an authentic strategy, authentic strategic approach to DEI. I do appreciate the word of authenticity. Like I said, I don't know this writer. I don't know what her agenda is, but I see... I, I, it, the article speaks some honest, some, it sounds genuine, at least at the moment, but we'll continue on. It's pretty, uh, the idea is vague though, at best. It's like, I don't know why diversity, equity, and inclusion is involved in this. She's asking questions about how do you want to build your company? What kind of company do you want to have? How do you want to make money? Cause that's the end of the day. You are trying to have a profitable business or a profitable line of where uh, objective, a usable objective and you want employees that get properly compensated like what they do and have a feeling of belonging or able to move up or whatever that goal is so uh let's see i might have to use my my uh, touchpad because i'm petting my pupper over here too when you think about the cost of dei it's not just budget allocation all right this includes hiring or allocating staff so the authentic strategic approach Okay, allocating staff, the cost of revising processes. Okay, the cost of collaborating across stakeholders, most important, the cost of DEI alongside other strategic initiatives. So here are the, some of the costs, both obvious and not so obvious. So leadership buy-in. So you, I'll start with this as the most critical. In other blogs, I talked about how the support of the executive team is absolutely necessary for the success of DEI networks. Okay, it's imperative to have one or more DEI executive champions. Okay, so you need leadership to buy in. They have to actually be honest about it. It's not that they're just trying to, well, let me say focused here. So leadership has to believe in it. Leadership has to really be invested in it. You have to have anything, leadership to buy into it. You have to have a proof of concept, an actual proof of concept. So there's that. Um, what else? What does it cost? The time of an executive, uh, the timing, the time of an executive is expensive. Yeah, no shit. Cause they're generally overpaid. But also their time is finite, so they have to focus on many topics at once. Okay. Now, hiring or allocating staff resources for a DEI team. For smaller organizations, less than 1,000 employees, it's probably possible to kick off DEI by allocating responsibilities to existing staff, such as 50% of an existing employee's role, HR project manager, for example, for a larger organization. Great. So that 
HR manager who's always who's already swamped with other shit now has to deal with this. Now you're starting to get me. To, now you're starting to lose me. Um, it's important that there's a clear ownership of DEI with a dedicated role or team. It's basically another task. Positioning of the DEI team is crucial in element success. Sometimes a DEI role is positioned three or four levels away from an executive team, each level adding more hierarchy to manage and mangle the efforts. The DEI's team's lead, DEI team's leader, great, should report as directly as possible into the executive team. They should have a clear line of communication and trusted relationship. Okay. They should be in a position in such a way where the exec team could reach out directly. How much does this cost? Salaries vary widely globally. So you check Glassdoor. Supporting staff resources. Practically, this looks like, okay. This talks, a, first of all, it really doesn't dive into this. Di I mean, I'm not looking for diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm not seeing anything other than a vague mission statements about how you want to build a company. If that's all it is, that's... I don't understand why we're building a, a, a human resources team. Basically, it's like a marketing team. What are we marketing? We already have a marketing team. What are we trying to do? I don't. I don't get it. Now, how much? Finally, how much does this cost? It will likely support on DEI projects as needed, and this can vary time to time. It feels like now we're just creating. We're putting too many cooks in the kitchen. Um. Okay. Hey, buddy. Um, how much does this cost? Reasonable to case. All right, here we go. It's reasonable to allow ERG organizers to spend five to 10% of their working time in support of their network. Many organizations, similar policies for research projects or learning and development. Acknowledging the ERG work is, this, which is, which that's the employee resource group organizers. All right. So five to 10% of their working time. And so, okay. To spend, that's their working time. So, all right, that's uh, now process change. The cost of, excuse me, the cost of changing internal processes. The work of a DEI team often focuses on creating positive change in the organization. This could include developing new processes to remove bias in hiring or promoting process, promotion processes. P hiring biases, that is something that belongs in human resources. Okay, that's a human resource thing. If you have a bias towards somebody or that's a human resources thing. That's a violation of human resource agreement. Um, you have to establish governing bodies. This sounds that now you're really starting to lose me. Committee to make sure they are and to make sure they are diverse. Diverse in what way? Have you ever walked into uh, an administrative building? It's 90% women. The supervisors are women. The managers are women. The, in, the, most of the uh, team leaders are women. Most of the actual ground floor employees are women. So what are we talking about here? Developing these processes is actually step one, implementing and then stage step two. You have to, for example, a DEI team develops a HR diversity recruiting checklist. Now we're slowing down. Less biased decisions making during the, all right. So what does this cost? Using the above example, how much money are we allocating this? Um, how big should your DEI budget be? This is difficult to answer and it can vary drastically. Okay. So here we go. We can make some general estimates. A recent study by the Society of Human Resource Management reported diversity department budgets at Fortune 1000 companies average around 1.5 million per year. The range for diversity department budget. Wait, what? hold on a second. Did I just breeze through that? Let's read that again. 
A recent study released by the Society of Human Resource Management reported diversity department budgets at Fortune 1000 companies average around $1.5 million per year. The range... Wow. The range for diversity department budgets was 30000 to $5.1 million. When diversity was housed in human resources, the average annual diversity budget was two hundred thirty-nine grand. Fortune 1000 companies have an average workforce of 34,000, an average revenue of 15 billion. So they are quite a bit larger than these companies. Well, okay, let me just continue reading. So they are quite a bit larger than the companies trying to figure out what their DEI first budget would be. For organizations two to 10,000 who are just beginning their DEI journey, I'd estimate a budget of somewhere between 50K and 300K. Here's a rough distribution of such budget work streams. Okay. Support. Okay. Now the cat's coming out of the closet. Support for employee resource groups, ten dollars to $30,000. Training. Unconscious bias, anti-racism, and inclusive leadership, thirty to $150,000. Recruiting and branding, ten dollars to $30,000. Other DEI programming, including external consulting, ten dollars to $30,000. Partnership and sponsorships, five to 50K. And this budget will always increase just like everything else. Okay. And they don't just hire anybody for these things. They hire somebody who is a symbol of, who would fit perfectly the symbol of this whole DEI thing. Anti-racism, anti inclusive leadership, and unconscious, unconscious bias. So there we have it. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, instead of going to your new employees or employees who have been there for a couple of years who could use or who deserve a raise, or to your team leads who deserve a raise or a bonus, or to better working conditions or more benefits, or to be passed down to the consumers, the customers of the company, especially when you look at premiums at hospitals, this money is instead, or colleges, instead it gets passed on through tuitions, you hire a diversity and inclusion director, and that's $100,000, dollars $300,000 that could be passed off to other projects. But no, it's for this person. And now you've lost me. And there are larger companies, $1.5 million. That could be 15 employees who focus simply on diversity, equity, and inclusion. All this is doing is allocating money that should be going elsewhere to this, slowing down processes that are already too slow in companies that already had problems to begin with. So you're just putting more cooks in the kitchen for mediocre food, and now that food is sour. And this is everywhere. This is in retail websites. This is in uh, large corporate companies. This is in hospitals. This is everywhere. Almost. So at this point, I'm pretty much, I'm going to sell this idea. Her thoughts are, her final thoughts. DEI, uh, DEI teams may think that a big budget is how they will achieve their goals, but practically the other elements discussed in this blog are more critical for success. If you have a limited amount of leverage or social capital to use for allocating or DEI resources within your organization, it's better to focus on staffing, recruiting and executive champions, getting state, key stakeholders on board, and getting a buy-in for process changes.
Those structural organization advantages will put you in a much better spot than if you were instead only to advocate for a larger budget. Okay. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. With all... See, corporate companies, large corporate companies, whether they're public or private, have so many other human resource issues or already have bad processes or extremely aggressive micromanagement micromanagement of uh, metrics that it's already a shitty environment to begin with. Where the company narrative is fake and your uh, excitement towards the company narrative is fake. But when you add things like this into it, you're making a situation, a bad situation, far worse. A good situation, bad. I don't see anything good of this. Plus, you're, you're, if you if you do have a human resources department and then you're adding this to their already full plate, they're not going to be able to get other things done in time. They're not going to be able to focus on real problems because they have to go to this meeting and essentially make shit up. I don't see any... To me, I don't see any value of this. I've been in environments where this has basically been implemented and I've been in envi environments where it hasn't. And I can absolutely see the clear-cut difference where shit can get done and shit can get worse. Okay. So... With everything else going on, whether it was working at home situations, uh, innovation and technology, lockdowns, uh, uh, inflation, uh, 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 new regulations, it's it just it seems like you're just putting you're just adding another shitty spice to the pot and just making a bad situation far worse, borderline revolting. I don't find any value in this, but this is something sadly that has been implemented. In all all kinds of corporate policies, because because lawyers, because of liability, it's like, well, they got to do it, we got to do it too. It's like, what are we doing? What are we hiring? At the end of the day, don't you want good employees and a good and a good working environment? Don't isn't that, isn't that the whole point of all of this? At the end of the day, human resources. If you do something at a company that's racist or sexist, um. You don't need a diversity, equity, and inclusion office for that. You need human resources. Okay. We're going to evolve either way. But if you bring these things out, if you make people believe that they are actually, they have an unconscious bias or that they are racist or something like that, you basically shut them off. You make them, you belittle them to this point where it's like, you are this. You make them feel like they are that. And they start questioning themselves in all the wrong ways. And they shut down as employees. It's the wrong way to approach things. There is a possible corporate or off or workflow or employee excuse me employee development. That's the word I'm looking for. Jeez, employee development is the key to building a better building a better person, building a better worker. It's just better. But if you just bring somebody on board and you tell them, well, you have this and you're that and you need to be better than this person who hasn't proved anything yet or a person who doesn't even exist. It's like when this is nothing to do with sensitivity. This is just it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of company time. 
and it's a waste of the company's objective. Like these key plot points up at the top here, like I'll reiterate up here, um, here, where is it? Yeah, what kind of company do you want to build? A good company. What company? Do, what kind of company are you proud to put your name on? One that's successful, that is good for the overall environment in the community. What kind of testimonials do you want? And you see your Glassdoor reviews, raving reviews. Uh, I started at the bottom. Now I, I like going into work, blah, blah, blah. What kind of relationship do you want with your employees? Well, <laughs> the door is always open. The door is always open. You need us through tough times. We're there for you. That's what you want from your employees. Do you want to build a company with an inclusive culture? Yeah, inclusive ideas. Inclusive in conversation, inclusive in agreeableness and disagreeableness, equitable processes, fair, honest processes in order to build a better employee, diverse workforce, diverse in opinions, diverse in creativity, diverse in, in work ethic. That's different. And a strong sense of belonging for its employees. They feel like they matter at their company, that they're actually doing something of actual value. Like you build the thing, you build the process, it sells to the customer, the client, that sense of belonging like i actually do make a difference i'm not just doing fucking bloated busy work that has nothing to do with diversity equity inclusion and i sell this article 100 sip of coffee yeah well despite the, the 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 random odd distraction from my phone that i just turned off um managed to get through that article cheers folks mm. let's move on here I actually just want to close up shop with some Q&A, and then we'll go ahead and get out of there here this week. Um, so I actually do have that available. Also, once again, if you want to support this podcast, if you want to support all things PS, you can go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. You can also click the affiliate link in the description down below. There's a Weeble app there, so if you want to get free stocks and get started on a little portfolio, right now I think it's five free, but anytime you use the affiliate link, you get free stocks, and you don't have to spend any money you have to deposit money for a little bit and then you get those free stocks and then when they clear you can sell them and then bam there's your money and then once your actual cash clears you can leave it in there and possibly start a little portfolio or you can take it out it's totally up to you but i don't support robin hood i do support weeble because weeble hasn't fucked me over yet when they do i'll let you know and i'll move on to another app in the meantime let's uh finish strong with some q a for this week uh, let's see. Do I have a good ones? There we go. All right. Let's move on here. Stay on the game, Jay. Stay in the game. How should I explain to my children? I haven't read these in a while, by the way. So it's good to get some Q&A and see what's wrong with the first world here. How should I explain to my children that I'm shunning our friends because they own a novel written for adults? I have two children, my daughter, Pam, and a son, Eric, age 12 and 10, respectively. Until recently, my husband and I were friends with our neighbors, Adam and Belinda who also have kids around the same age. About a week ago, we were over at their place, and as usual, the adults sat around and chatted in their library while the kids played. Pam was sitting with the adults and plucked a book off the shelf to start reading. Adam noticed almost immediately, said that the particular book wasn't for kids, took it away from Pam, and offered her a different book instead. I was curious about the sudden and vehement reaction. Vehement. Ooh, big words. Since I wasn't familiar with the book, I quickly looked it up on my phone, what I saw sickened me. The hero is apparently a rapist with leprosy hmm, who has to go on a self-redemptive journey so he can ultimately save the day. I don't understand how someone can keep such filth in their house. Filth. Oh, okay. After some polite deflection, I left their house with my husband and kids and told them we aren't ever going back. I've been considering banning our kids from associating with theirs, but I'm not sure how to enforce 
that since they go to school together. The problem is that Pam especially keeps asking why she can't go back to Uncle Adam and Aunt Belinda's house anymore and why we suddenly hate them. I'm not sure how to tell her in terms that she can understand. I don't want to frighten her with the notion that someone can appear to be a good person, but secretly is a disgusting pervert. Um, I think you're blowing this out of proportion. I think, uh, judging from your wording, I think there is some re strong religious beliefs in here. Not that that's a bad thing. But you have to understand, not everybody's like you. And you know what? So what? People, adults are allowed to read whatever they want. They want to read Mein Kampf. They could read Mein Kampf. What matters is how they treat you. Do they treat you like good people? Well, if you are good people. Do they treat you like adults? How do they treat your children? Do they take care of your children? Do they stuff weird ideals and ideologies in their head? If they don't, then what's the point? Your kids need to, you know, learn from different adults or learn from different kids and, you know kind of bumper car their way into adulthood. It's just a good way of doing things. I don't know why you would, well, then again, I, I don't know why you would, you know, think about, oh, we're never gonna see them again. They're sickening people. How do you know? How do you know? People have read far worse shit, an adult novel. It wasn't, it's not like she pulled out a hustler and just started flipping through the pages, you know? It was, it was a, 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 a an adult novel. So there's, you know, People read that shit. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, that people went nuts for that stuff. Women went nut. Women went bananas, <laughs> bananas for that stuff. So what are we doing here? What's what's the deal? I don't I don't I don't understand. So we need to focus on other qualities about these people, not just freak out if they pull out an adult novel. Is maybe she got bored? Maybe you had nothing. Maybe you, as a conversationalist, had nothing to really offer to the table, and maybe she pulled out something that would actually get her rocks off, and it wasn't what you were saying. So, uh, I would reconsider and maybe have a conversation with the people instead of just running out the door. Ah, finally, the coffee's kicking in. All right, let's continue on to the next topic. What? Sh mm, excuse me. What should I say? The next time my new hire pretends to quit as a joke. I hired an employee less than 90 days ago. The team have not been fully staffed for several months and were and was happy to have him. A month after starting, he came into my office and started meeting started a meeting by saying straight face, I've been here a month and I've decided to offer my resignation. After a few seconds, he smiled and said he was kidding. He is not known for having a sense of humor. A couple of weeks ago, he walked in my office and handed me a single sheet of bonded stationery and again said, I decided to offer tender my resignation. After I took a sheet of paper, he explained instead that it was a thank you note for not for being allowed to attend a training program. I have a very good sense of humor. I didn't find either of these incidents funny. His work product is very good. His soft skills beyond these incidents are his soft skills beyond these incidents are lacking. If he does something like this again, can I accept his resignation, whether he was joking or not? Um, I would just actually, so like one time the, the joke kind of worked. First of all, I don't know if this is a joke I would use like when you just got started, you really just kind of want to focus on being a good employee and then working on your skills, especially when you're in, you're in your probationary period in that 90 days, which is most companies, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, you kind of just want to do the work and show that you're capable of learning. Uh, not be like a, oh, F it, I quit type of thing. And then be like, I'm kidding. Um, it's not a good way to feel people out, you know? Uh, now, let me see here. Let me focus here. I haven't got my, my 
my brain vitamins in in about in a few days here. So, oops. Um, maybe if I was actually that smart, I would have learned to order them ahead of time. The idea. Okay, maybe the first time he was being cute. The second time it's like, okay, he's playing the same joke. The third time it's hacky. If they do it again, you don't tender their. You don't say, okay, well you quit and get get out. It's like, okay, you gotta approach. You have to confront them like. Yo, that's a hack joke. You said it. This is the third time you said it. Find a better joke. Basically, you stop them from using hacky shit. This is employee development. I've seen this. Um, it's a hacky joke. It's it was it was hack the first time. It's super hacky the second time. But the third time you can address it. It's like, yo, that's a hacky joke. Think of something better. And it's like you kind of stop them in their tracks, and they realize, oh, that was a hacky joke. I was just kidding. Yeah, I know. It's a hack joke. Think of a better joke. Or think about just focusing on your gig. Come on, man, it's a hacky joke. You like, you don't you you rough them up a little bit by saying, you know, it, that's a hack shit. You know, it's not a funny joke because you've said it three times already. It's like, come on, think of something better, like how you're gonna be a better employee or something. Um, but you don't just blow them up right away. But yeah, you hit them with a, you know, it's a hack joke. You don't, you know, that's a good way of doing it. That's the way I would consider doing it. It's like, yeah, it's a good joke. Come on, man, get over it. Not everything has to be HR approved, but, you know, hack hack is hack. Let's move on to the next one. How sarcastic should I be the next time I see friends who have expressed concern about my erratic behavior in driving? I have been a journalist and author since my early 20s, now retired and living in a gated community. Well, okay. Wait, you're now retired and living in a gated community? Well, good for you. Okay. After our last book group meeting, I got a call from my from our coordinator. She's a good friend, but was unable to attend that meeting. She said, quote, your friends are concerned about you because your behavior was erratic. And one member said you nearly drove her off the road recently. My reaction was, well, these women are not my friends. I lost my darling husband eight months ago and not once... And not once have any of them reached out to me to invite me to lunch or dinner. Furthermore, if they have a problem with me, why didn't they address me directly? Why are they hiding behind you? Uh, I'm cutting our coordinator some slack because her husband is gravely ill. What do you think of my proposed response at the end of our next book meeting? I will say, well, ladies, I'm so busy with house guests and other commitments. Plus, I'm trying to finish writing my book. So I'm going to have to take a break for a while. But I'll be back. And oh, by the way, thank you all for... All the invitations to join you for lunch or dinner. I was bereft when my husband died, so that meant a lot to me. Of course, I don't plan to return. They are catty women whom I never see anyways. I have sons who visit, two good friends here, and several remote friends whom I have great conversations. So that's enough for me. What are your thoughts? Okay. Um, wait a minute. So let me see here. I've been a journalist. After our last week, got a call from a coordinator. She's a good friend. She said, your friends are concerned about you've been acting behavior. Well, look, when you're... When somebody that close to you passes away, erratic behavior is expected because there's a void in your life that isn't there. And it's almost like you're going to you're expected your body, your mind, your soul is expecting to react to something in a way that is no longer present. You know, you turn to do something and that something is no longer there. You react to something or it's like that thing is it's gone. It's gone. And that re repetition of that that repetition of so many years with somebody or doing something is gone it's it's in it's in uh it, it etched in your brain 
so it's very hard to change. It, it can be easy for some to accept after a long time of, of suffering, but that's that's a hard thing. People need to understand that. Now, as far as these women are not my friend. Okay, she said you're okay. I'm gonna read through this really quick. I have been a journalist. After our last group meeting, I got a call from our coordinator. She's a good friend, but unable to attend the meeting. Okay. She said, your friends are concerned about you, so the writer. And one member said you drove off her road. You nearly drove off the road recently. My action was Lisa Perman are not my friends. Okay. Okay. So this writer lost, this journalist lost their husband uh, eight months ago. Okay, not eight years ago. Eight months ago. Excuse me. So let me correct myself. So that's yesterday. Okay. Yesterday. You can still smell the other person. So your senses are still heightened to that person possibly existing. So, and if they're concerned about you, that concerned about you, why wouldn't they approach you directly? I mean, I had a, a, a there was a friend of mine who, uh, an old acquaintance of mine, excuse me, who, you know, her her son had had a, 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 a medical issue pop up and I hadn't talked to this person in a long time, but I reached out just to give an honest, a, hey, you know, I you know, hope things are good and, and just kept it simple. But I still reached out saying, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I give a shit. I, I you know, Just to, if this helps, I'm reaching out. And, and that's it. That's all I did. But in this situation, none of them did. So And maybe they just don't understand. And if you don't want to re- be around them because they're catty, and you just don't have the patience or the emotions to deal with it anymore. I totally get it. And if you want to just kind of cut that off and be done with it, just do it properly and call it a day. Or don't. You can tell them all to piss off. And you know what? That's fine too. Because at the end of the day, you lost your husband in the last year. And I don't expect you to be the same after that. Never did. You're obviously a different person now. You have to grow to be a different person. I get it. You know, if you had lost your husband, I would probably say something. But they didn't. So if you don't want to go back, you don't want to go back. I totally get it. You know, I don't expect you to act normal. You lost somebody very important to you. And that's it. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. Is the woman supposed to pay for the wedding? Oh, As a widow on a fixed income, I find my wedding expenses getting steep. A younger friend of my fiance told him that the woman pays for the wedding. Is that true even if you are both older? My fiance is 70 and I'm 66. Neither of us had has children. Um, as a widow on a fixed income, I find my wedding expenses getting steep. A friend of my fiance told him that the woman pays for the wedding. Um, I don't no, – generally, the traditional sense was that the man uh, – well, originally, it was the family that – the whole family that paid for the wedding. Or it was the the the, the groom, the, uh, the groom's father paid for the wedding. Um, but that was generally – that's from a different time where, you know, it was just from a different time. Now it's like it could be either or. But I never actually knew about anything saying that the wife is supposed to make the payments. The wife is supposed to pay for weddings. Weddings are expensive. Nowadays, husband, uh, the, the father and mother, 
uh, of the bride and groom don't have, in some ways, chip in or don't pay for it all. Sometimes it's the couple that pays for it. It's it's not set in stone. I just never heard the situation where the woman pays for the wedding. They can if they want, but I don't I don't see that. I don't know what that's all about. So I've never I personally never heard of it. Let's move on to the next one. Oops, hit the microphone. Uh, what should I do after learning that my future sister-in-law has tattoos on her arm? What do you mean? My future sister-in-law, whom I've never met, just informed me that her entire left arm has tattoos on it. Oh, she got a sleeve, including skulls soaking in blood. I'm not a tattoo person. And I'm kind of freaked out. I planned on the bridesmaids wearing spaghetti sl- uh, strap dresses. What do I do? Oh, it's not an issue at all. Uh, tattoos, if done properly, are beautiful pieces of art. And if they have meaning for something, it's like, it's really, it's not an issue. It, it just isn't. I know that maybe it, her tattoos may seem aggressive or whatever, but believe me, if you follow Bla- uh, BLX Inc. on Instagram, you'll see some way crazier tattoos. But tattoos can be beautiful. They're artful. And for the most part, people don't freak out about them. It's really not an issue, to be perfectly honest with you. And if it's and if she's a beautiful woman with beautiful tattoos, it's like, okay, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's not something you should consider. It's not something you tell them to cover up. And uh, yeah, it's it's not a thing. Tattoos, to those person, you have to remember this. Tattoos are expensive. Good tattoos are expensive. And to do an entire sleeve, it's a lot of time in the chair. It's a lot of money. And sometimes it's a decent amount of blood. So I think that's, yeah, that's pretty much it on that. It's it's an expensive, uh, it's an expensive process. So, and as far as the spaghetti strap thing, I, maybe she'll look great in them. So it's really, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's kind of straightforward. It's like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. If somebody says something about it, just remember it's the wedding is all about the bride and the groom and nobody else. And if she looks great and the spaghetti strap thing fits her well, it's like, okay, then we're done here. Leave it alone. Don't worry about it. And that's basically it. Let's do one more. How can I get my girlfriend to accept the friendly pigeons that visit our balcony? A pigeon couple has recently started visiting our balcony. They are very friendly, eating out of my hand, perching on my shoulders, acting like pets. My girlfriend is disgusted and terrified of them, convinced that they'll swarm her if she steps out. So now she doesn't use our balcony at all. I wanted to acclimate her to the pigeons so they'll learn to ignore her, but she refuses. Should I press my case, watch her avoid the balcony for the rest of her life, start being mean to the pigeons so they'll leave? None of these options seem very kind. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing is I'm kind of biased because where I live right now, I have pit these uh, these pigeons. All they do, and it's not one or two of them. It's like fifty of them, and they're above the power lines. And all they do is shit on my porch. That's all they do is shit on my porch. And there's shit everywhere. It's so annoying. Um, if I was to park my car a little closer to the street, they'd shit all over the paint. Um, and within minutes, so I couldn't let it sit there and idle. I have to put it all the way to the fence. So they'd shit all over it. Thank God I have a car cover. Um, one or two pigeons is fine. She should not be scared of them. Pigeons are relatively, no, pigeons are 100% harmless and they're idiots. And apparently they're very tasty. If it's, if it stays at two pigeons, 
all right, fine. Maybe she should get acclimated to going out to uh, the balcony and experiencing nature at a minute level. If it turns into 10 pigeons, you done fucked up and you need to fix the situation. You don't want to make that worse. If it's one or two pigeons and then all of a sudden it's like, it, it's like that scene from Home Alone 2 with the homeless lady and it's like, and just freaking pigeons just start coming out of nowhere and it's the fucking pigeon apocalypse. That's something you want to avoid at all costs. So try to um, try to do that. Try to, to make sure that it's uh, not a million pigeons um, that turn that makes the situation worse. You don't don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Let me see if I can do Did that work. That didn't work. And we'll screw it. All right. So uh, that being said, we're gonna close up shop a little bit early today, but. Um, Thank you guys for listening, watching, subscribing. To all the people checking out my other channels, uh, you can check out the Positive Sarcasm Concept channel, the original. This podcast, like, subscribe, share. That's also available anywhere where podcasts are available, including Spotify and iHeartRadio. Um, and, of course, uh, it's on Facebook.com slash Sarcasm. It's on Rumble at Positive Sarcasm. If you don't want to view it on YouTube, you can check it out on Rumble. But, of course, it is on YouTube as well. So there's three different platforms that you can choose to view at your own convenience. And, of course, you can uh, check it out uh, in audio format, like I just stated. And if you want to check out my music reaction channel, which has grown over the past year, go ahead and do so, Positive Sarcasm Reactions. So, um, in the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week, recorded here from the Sandbox. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.